I talk a lot about comic books on this show, and also in my real life, which I am sure that the women I meet at bars find really cool and attractive, because who wouldn't? But this week, I want to talk about something particularly near and dear to my heart. Somewhere in the 2010 to 2015 range, I remember there being a big push at Marvel Comics to start telling more diverse stories. And not just that, but to have more books, led by women, queer people, and people of color. It was an interesting time for the industry, with a huge focus on the concept of legacy, on what it really meant to be a superhero and to wear a superhero's costume, to wear a symbol. This era saw many new characters adopting the mantles of older heroes. Thor was a woman. Captain America was a black man. Miss Marvel was a young Pakistani girl. Marvel books were chock full of stories about older white men passing on their mantles to young black women, to gay men, and to plucky teens. Barack Obama was even in Spider-Man. There was enough cloying liberal enthusiasm that a bunch of conservative backlash happened in response. Movements like Comicsgate gained traction on the coattails of Gamergate, and a staggering number of former creators showed their true colors, and their asses, to the world by taking the wrong side. Angry men became infamously upset over perceived encroachment, and the culture war that had been simmering for the past 20 years crept into everything. Even a simple story about your beloved favorite character would soon become a battleground. Fortunately, nobody gets mad about comic books anymore, except for me, and my anger is white-hot and 100% justified, so I won't get too much farther into the weeds on this one. Instead, I'd like to take you guys back to the very recent year of 1992, so we can talk about a brand new superhero from Image Comics. Spawn. Let's start this party with a bang! (laughs) I'm just kidding. Buckle up, folks. Make sure to keep a tight hold on your these and thous, because the SRS Morrison is making a quick trip to Asgard so we can pick up one of my favorite characters, Sarah. Oh, and I guess we'll take her girlfriend along, too. Let's start this party with a bang! (laughs) I am Diana of Themyscira. This looks like a job for Superman. Now we face doom. Attack. I ain't popped no one's head off since Lobo! You are helpless against my power, X-Men! Let's go, bub. I learned to paint because I would not have the story of my life be the story I was told to copy. I learned to sing because I changed the hymns and wanted to make them all my own. Anything they give, I will make beautiful. I will make my own. No one will contain me. No one will hurt me. No one. Usually when I do these little minisodes, I start with a very simple, canned phrase like, Sarah was created by Kieran Gillen, Marguerite Bennett, Phil Jimenez, and Stephanie Hahn for the comic book Angela, Asgard's Assassin, which debuted in late 2014. You know, just to give an example. But I figured it was more important to lead with that quote. It's something that Sarah says in the book that really resonated with me, because that's what so many trans people do. 
We have to write our own stories. We have to break out of perceived boundaries and little boxes. And we force people to re-examine what they thought they knew about the world. We transgress, even without meaning to. Though Sarah was created in 2014, her story is intertwined with that of another character, Angela. Someone who, amazingly enough and against all odds, has a backstory more rife with controversy than a transgender character created at a boiling over point in a long and tedious culture war. Now, I'm tired of our narratives centering around the cis people whose lives we happen to affect, so I'm not going to do a deep dive on Angela, but because I am a big nerd, and nothing if not thorough, Angela was created by Neil Gaiman and Todd McFarlane in 1993. She was a regularly recurring character in Spawn, the star of her own miniseries, and finally the subject of a huge lawsuit, the fallout of which saw her placed into Neil Gaiman's hands and sold to Marvel Comics in 2013, where she would re-debut in a storyline by Brian Michael Bendis called Age of Ultron. In her new Marvel canon, Angela is the daughter of Odin, stolen away by angels from the realm of heaven at birth and raised as an enemy of Asgard. But before I get into that, just remember that name, Bendis, and the fact that my anger is white-hot and 100% justified. It's going to be important a little bit later. In Angela Asgard's Assassin, we see Sarah initially filling the role of sidekick, and over the course of 1602, Angela Witchhunter and Queen of Hell, she grows more and more important. We discover more about her backstory and her deeply rooted relationship with Angela. We see her transition and grow into a strong romantic lead. Sarah was born in the realm of heaven, which is where Angela was from in Spawn, and is what is known as an anchorite, one of the rare wingless male angels. After a fateful encounter where she helps to slay a terrible monster with her magic, Angela agrees to take Sarah away so that she can be free, as a payment for the part she played in the battle. The two are branded enemies of heaven, because subtext is a tool for cowards, and they end up going on some truly delightful sword sorcery and sci-fi adventures. Sarah is a really cool side character. She's a sorceress. She's a hype woman. She's a bard with a rapier-sharp wit who always has a jape or an important piece of information that will help Angela save the day. I bought my first Marvel comic book in more than ten years simply because she was in it. But she's still also just a side character. She's a damsel in distress. The narrative treats her as a prize to be won, to be lost, to be discarded. Angela and Sarah get married at the end of Queen of Hell, and the pair promised one another that they'd never be apart. Unfortunately, that book got cancelled in 2016, and then, because it took place in a shared universe comic, Angela went to join the Guardians of the Galaxy, without Sarah, in a book written by Brian Michael Bendis. Do you get it now? A lot of queer fans felt rightfully upset about that, and to address that upset... Bendis' very simple solution was to dedicate a couple of pages to the answer. Angela goes home, and her home isn't there. But don't worry, Sarah left a note. She got tired of waiting and went away. To work on some mysterious, unfinished business. And then he never addressed it again. The shared universe sandbox of Marvel and DC's comics can be a double-edged sword like that. 
Their comics can be anything you want them to be, but they can also be nothing you want them to be. Which unfortunately means that queer representation in the big two is only as solid and stable as the company's willingness to produce a book where it's present. Sure, I put a bunch of blame on Bendis, and it might be unfair. But this is just one of the many instances that comes to mind when I think about wasted story potential, or about how tragic it will be when somebody needs to see characters like Angela and Sarah, and they aren't there. There are more trans characters in comics than you would think, but we're often relegated to side character roles, and our stories only seem to matter so long as we directly matter to the lives of our cis friends and families or worse, to the whims of a fickle market, the designs of a company mandate, or the heat of a vicious backlash. Jesse Drake, Coagula, Charlene McGowan, Tong, Masquerade. These are just some of the transgender characters created for Marvel and DC, and while their stories technically never get unwritten, they do fall out of print, and they eventually end up lost to time. Marvel is owned by Disney, and capitalism feeds off of this horrible, insatiable culture war that we're stuck in, and if we aren't loud enough or angry enough, our stories fall victim to the simple fact that somebody might come along and refuse to continue writing about worlds where we are allowed to exist. But we do still exist, no matter how many people bitch about it on the internet. We have always existed, no matter how many people say otherwise. And we will continue to exist. That's why it's so important that we keep our history alive, fictional or otherwise. And why it's so important to see more trans creatives entering the fields of art and entertainment. Because anything they give, we will have to make beautiful. We will have to make our own. No one will contain us. No one. Fortunately, this story has a happy-ish ending. I started working at a comic book shop in 2017, and not long after that, Colin Bunn wrote a book called As Guardians of the Galaxy. It featured Sarah in a bittersweet story arc where she and Angela were reunited, but ultimately decided to part ways again. But at least this time when it happened, there was some closure, both for the characters and for fans. Colin Bunn spared Bendis from my undying wrath that day, and I proceeded to buy every number one that he wrote for the rest of the time I worked at that shop, no matter how mediocre they were. That was how much it meant to me that he helped keep Sarah's story alive. If you'd like to read more about Sarah and Angela's adventures, you can find them in the following books. Angela Asgard's Assassin, Angela Queen of Hell, 1602 Witch Hunter Angela, and last but not least, As Guardians of the Galaxy. Thank you all for listening to this Transmissions from Another Earth minisode. It's been a pleasure having you, but we need to head back to Earth 1312 now. We all have work to do, a history to preserve, and a future to create. We have a Patreon, which can be found at patreon.com backslash totallytrans, where if you back us at $2 or more per month, you'll get access to all of our episodes a week early. If you back us at $3 or more, you'll be able to listen to our cool bonus content. And at $5 or more, you'll be able to join our Totally Trans Discord server and yell at me about what comic books I think you should read. 
Transmissions from Another Earth is a Totally Trans Podcast Network production. So please like and subscribe to Totally Trans wherever you get your podcasts, so you never miss an episode. And please like and rate those episodes, because we live in a nightmare world filled with baby-stealing angels, and your contribution to our listener metrics is the only thing keeping my unbridled fury for Brian Michael Bendis at bay. This Transmissions from Another Earth minisode was written, hosted, and produced by me, Jacqueline Clyde, who can be found on Twitter at Werewife, with a special mention to my partner Cedar and one of my good friends, Dave, for helping me edit some of this down. Because, boy howdy, I had a lot to write on this subject. As always, our theme song and closing theme are a remix of, and the non-remixed version of, Inspiring 8-Bit by Phil Dillo, which we found on Pixabay, and Ada added some fun little cartoon sound effects over for the remix. So, thanks Ada, thanks Phil, you guys did a great job. Really appreciate ya. Until next week, transmission over.